Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, well, open heaven number four. Is it just me or is it time still moving really odd? Like, how is it four already? That means Easter was number one. Let's put that in perspective. Anybody else feel like it's been a weird month? No, I'm the only one. Okay, it's all right. So far in the series, we have... We've talked about what Jesus has done for us, right? Starting with Easter and just how much he has changed. Jesus changed everything. Symbolically, literally, he changed everything. We've talked about the Holy Spirit. And last week we went through the gifts of the Holy Spirit and and the fruit that he gives us to go out and, and preach the kingdom of heaven. To tell people that the kingdom of heaven is open. God is not withholding. He doesn't have a closed hand. He is a giving God. That's why the verse that Jason just quoted, the godly love to give because God loves to give. He loves to give. He's an open hand with us. It is an open heaven. And that's what the series is really about, understanding just how open it is to you. To you. If we could get a hold of that. If we could get a hold of that and keep a hold of that. This world makes it really easy to forget. Now you might remember just how open heaven is in this room for an hour a week. But you walk out those doors and it's so easy to forget. Life wants to make you forget that truth constantly. This world wants to suck you back into the mindset of lack, of scarcity of rules and religion and the haves and the have-nots and he wants to suck you back in. In fact, everywhere we go, all of the time, even when we don't leave our homes, as we found out this year, the mindset is there. The tendency is there. See, I think a lot of Christians think that if I just limit my world, my contact with the outside world, if I just live in this bubble create a protective barrier around myself of all Christians and Christian things and worship music. And if I just, if I just live in this bubble, it can't get me right away from people away from temptation. I'll be able to live the life that God wants me to. The Holy Spirit did not come to enable us all to be hermits. The Holy Spirit came so that we can go out into all the world and preach the good news, the gospel to all people. I'm not saying social distancing is a bad thing, okay? Keeping people safe, it's good. But he came to enable us to preach to all people, to go out into the world, not to to surround ourselves in just a Christian bubble, but to reach out, to reach out. The beauty and miracle of Jesus wasn't that he came into this world as God, and he lived sinless in the absence of temptation. The beauty, the miracle of Jesus is that he came into this world as man and lived sinless in the presence of temptation. In fact, we're going to read today about that temptation, just how much temptation Jesus had to go through. Look, this isn't the message I wanted to prepare for today. This happens occasionally where I think I'm going a certain way in a series. And God ends up taking us a completely different way. I had a whole different plan for the series, but I just couldn't get past this passage. The past two weeks, really, we've talked about the baptism of Jesus. Right, And so I just flipped the page. I thought, I'm going to continue reading, but I couldn't get past the very next passage. The very next passage. I kept coming back to it. In fact, I was like, yeah, maybe that word's just for me. And, you know, the next day I said, okay, God, what do you have? Nope, brought me right back to the very next passage. See, if you, if you read the baptism of Jesus and then you just flip, just continue reading, you'll come straight into the temptation of Jesus. And this passage spoke this week. It leapt off the page. It wouldn't stop speaking to me this week. This passage is for Freedom Valley this week. We have to, we have to listen when we read the word, right? 
It's not just reading, taking in words and they go in one ear and out the other. You have to listen. The Word of God speaks to us. Are we listening? And people, people often say, I, I just haven't heard God in so long. Why isn't he speaking to me anymore? I, well, when was the last time you read the Word? Because he speaks. The Word speaks. Loudly sometimes. How often do you read it? How often do you open it? About as often as he will speak to you. Don't get me wrong, there are still times we walk through it still, it feels like it's God's not speaking and maybe he's teaching us a new way to get a hold of him, right? Sometimes I'll flip through the Bible and I'm like, God, why isn't this, why aren't there revelations like I used to have, right? And God's teaching me to, maybe you should be worshiping right now. Maybe you should be praying more right now. Maybe you should be fasting right now. Sometimes he, he wants to shake it up with us. He's always doing a new thing. But the word speaks. It speaks. And so as I flipped to that next passage, it hit me that it wasn't temptation and then baptism. See, it seems like God should test us first and then gift us, right? That we should earn the gift of the Holy Spirit. We should earn our place in heaven. And I hear this sentiment often when I'm talking about baptism with people. They think, well, I'm just not there yet. I feel like I don't know enough. I'm not worthy enough. I, don't, I just don't know if I can get baptized yet. No, 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 no. Baptism is meant to be the first step. You give your heart to Jesus, you get baptized. It's the first step. You don't earn it. Just like you don't earn forgiveness. God gives it. It is a gift. It didn't go in that order for Jesus. Why should we expect it for us? Jesus was baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit. We see the dove we talked about last week came on him at his baptism in water. And then he was tempted. And then he was tempted. Seems like it should be the other way around, right? Like, surely I should be past this by now. Surely I should be. I don't know, more godly than this. <laughs> I've been a Christian for X amount of years. I've, I've lived my life for Jesus. I've gone to church all my life. Why aren't I past this particular temptation by now? I'm overqualified <laughs> for this temptation. That's not how it went for Jesus. Matthew 4, verse 1. This particular story is found in three of the Gospels. We're going to read it out of Matthew today in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Anybody else have a, just a problem with that first line? Did you catch it? Go back to the, the first. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. by the Spirit, into the wilderness. <laughs> I couldn't even get past the first verse. God, I kept reading past his baptism, and I couldn't even get past the first verse. Like, God, <sighs> really? Led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. The Spirit didn't tempt him, but it led him there. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. And he became very hungry, which I think is the, maybe the biggest understatement in the Bible. During that time, the devil came and said to him, uh, just back up there for a second. I have never fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Maybe I'm just not that spiritual. My husband has twice, right? 40 days. <laughs> Anybody else? Just show of hands if you did it online. Type in the comments. No? It's a long time, y'all. I struggle. I'm just going to be honest. I struggle with three-day fasts. Fasts are tough. They're tough. Well, every time, though, every time I get through one, I'm so glad that I did. The breakthroughs on the other side, the understandings that come from that, I can't even explain why it works all of the time. I just know that it does. 
Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he not only was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, but he was broken down. He was alone. He was hungry. He wasn't at full capacity. Right? We often think we have to be ready for Satan. Like, yeah, all of our armor on. We got to be puffed up. We got to just come out of a worship service that, you know, we have to be ready. He was hungry. He was broken down. He was alone. And he was led there by the Spirit. And during that time, the devil came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. See, I don't get quite all of the things that Satan tempts him with fully, but this one I get. <laughs> yeah, 40 days and 40 nights is a long time. I'm hungry after, let's be honest, three hours, right? I get this one. I'd be tempted. If I had the ability, like, I'd be tempted. Turn it into bread. But listen, I think this one was about the physical. There are three temptings that we're going to read today in the story. This one is pretty obviously about his physical body, right? He was hungry, literal hunger. And hunger is just one of the, way, the ways the body craves. But these bodies, this physical flesh, it craves stuff. It's needy, isn't it? Anybody else, that, like, once you hit adulthood, you're like, really, do I, do I honestly have to make myself full meals this often? It's work, man. <laughs> right? This thing is needy. It needs stuff constantly. And cravings can be very dangerous, can't they? To our spiritual self and our physical self. But your body craves all kinds of things that aren't necessarily good for it. And lots of it. <laughs> Does it ever end, the cravings? Jesus faced it too. Isn't that comforting? He faced it too. This was about the physical. And this is one of the things that fasting really provides breakthrough with. Uh, for fasting for me, it always helps me see the difference between what my body wants and what I want. The difference between my soul, who I am, who the Candace is that's going to live for eternity, and this body. I don't have to give it what it wants all of the time. I can say no. I have control. In fact, the Holy Spirit came to give us power, love, and self-control. It's one of the things the Holy Spirit helps with. If you're struggling with self-control, ask him for help. Try a fast. It doesn't have to be 40 days. <laughs> Start with a day, in fact. Don't, don't jump right into 40 days. Build up to it. It will help you see the difference. It will help you control the cravings because this body wants all kinds of things and hunger can be dangerous. Jesus conquered it. In fact, verse 4, he says, Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. There is food that your spirit needs. And I talked a little last week about how it's not the pastor's job to feed you, right? That we can feed ourselves with the word of God. It's more satisfying than any real bread. Even the kind that Jesus would have made out of stones, which I imagine would be pretty good. Just saying. Verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the son of God, jump off. This is one of them that I don't get. Anybody else not really tempted to jump off a building? Right? Guy looked at this one and said, God, I feel like this one would have been a little easier. Just saying. Like, not that tempted to jump off a very high building. But it goes on. For the scriptures say, and Satan brought scripture into it this time. He's crafty. Right? He's smart. We can give him that. He knows the scripture just as well as we do. Better. 
actually. And he can twist it, misuse it, misappropriate it. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. It sounds super spiritual, doesn't it? He's good at sounding spiritual. Come on, for the scriptures say, right? He will order his angels to protect you. This one just seems so odd for me at first. I'm not that tempted to jump off a building. But the more and more I thought about it, just imagine Jesus was capable of miracles since childhood, presumably. We don't know for sure. It's not in scripture. But we can guess that he was. Mary had to have been blown away. At 12 years old, he was preaching in the temple. He was teaching other people. 12 years old. He was an amazing kid, obviously. Who knows what he was capable of at home or or what he, he actually did at home, I should say. She knew he could turn water into wine. She was pretty confident. He said, it's not my time yet. (laughs) But, you know, a mother has her ways. Uh, His mother certainly knew. So he was capable of teaching people and priests in the temple. He was capable of doing amazing things. Surely there was other things that his parents noticed. Now, here he is, baptized in water, the Holy Spirit, ready to take on the world, ready to prove who he was. You've got to see the humanity the tempting in that. If I jump off this building, God will save me. I am the son of God after all, the Messiah, the long-awaited prince, right? Just make up a reason for a miracle, Jesus. Right? If you really are the son of God, if you were, surely you would. You've all seen the superhero movies, right? The part in the beginning of the movie where like nobody knows who they are, but they want to prove themselves and they're desperate to tell people, but they don't want all the negative that goes along with that. Right? This isn't a a leap to say it would be tempting. You want people to know what you're capable of. You want to be able to prove yourself. That's what he was tempting him with here. This was pride. Satan was tempting him with pride. The next one, verse 7, Jesus responded. Sorry, this is the reply to that one. The scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. You must not test the Lord your God. That is, you must not make up a reason for a miracle and see if God comes through. Verse 8, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. This one is about power. Power. The power he really deserves. Right? I mean, this is Jesus we're talking to. Of course he deserves it. The the temptation here was to take the shortcut to it. Jesus knew he was going to have to walk through some things over the next three years. At that point in his life, he knew he was going to have to face the cross, the crucifixion, the the jeers and the shouts and the, he was going to be beat up. This was the shortcut, no hard work for three years, no recruiting disciples that he would have to carry along that barely believe, right? It's the, the get powerful quick scheme. And aren't we all tempted with a good get-rich-quick scheme, get-powerful-quick scheme, get-skinny-quick scheme? They're tempting. Do they ever work? (laughs) I think we all know how well those actually work. Verse 10, he says, get out of here, Satan. The scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil went away. And angels came and took care of Jesus. This is one of those passages that I may never stop thinking about. Pulling apart, studying for the rest of my life. But on surface level, we've probably, most of us, heard this story before. That Jesus was tempted, he overcame. That's the bottom line. 
It's beautiful. It's amazing. He conquered it. He, he was tempted like us. But you know me, I have questions. We study the word. And, and some things that stood out to me while I was studying this passage a little more in depth. First of all, baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism in water, salvation, um, a theology degree, credentials. None of these things disqualify you from temptation. We often think they do, right? Leadership, ministry, parenthood, adulthood, any kind of hood, it does not qualify you. It does not disqualify you from temptation. If you are human, you will be tempted. This body craves things. Hunger is dangerous. If you're human, you'll be tempted, and you may fail sometimes. Jesus didn't here, but you may. Forgive yourself. That is the human experience. I don't know about you, but I have a problem with failure. I don't like it. It bothers me for years. <laughs> right? And nobody else has a complex about failure. I Thank you. There's one. Two? Okay. I'm not alone. I have a problem with failure, but the reality is I'm human. We all are tempted. We all live in these bodies. They crave things. We're all going to be tempted. The same spirit that anointed him, celebrated him, loved him as he was coming up out of the water, baptized by John, the same spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. This is not a popular truth that the spirit will sometimes arrange an attack. Nobody likes that truth, right? Makes you squirm a little bit in your seat. I don't want to hear that one. It's not a comfortable truth. But you have to know it to survive it. If you led me here, Holy Spirit, if you led me here somehow, it's going to work for my good. I just know it. At Romans 8.28, he brings all things together for my good, for those that love the Lord. All things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. It's going to work for my good. That's the faith part of this. I just, if you brought me here, you're going to bring me through it. I just know it. And knowing it helps me survive it. I was listening to a preacher lately who had said they had been to the Jordan River, the Holy Land, you know, these visits. And what struck him about looking at the Jordan River and really feeling the text of this moment, the, the context of what's going on here, feeling the sand and the wind on his face, right? And looking at the baptism of Jesus. And he looked at the Jordan River and he said, on one side, it's barren. It's wilderness. It's nothingness. It's desert. Now on the other side, it's, it's plush and green and beautiful. The Holy Spirit didn't lead him to the beautiful side here. The Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness. He led him to be tempted. I don't know why it helps me to know that exactly. <laughs> but knowing that I, I might be here for a reason. That I might be here to conquer something. In fact, I think, now after having studied this, that Jesus wasn't just there to be tempted for himself, to conquer something for himself. I think God had unfinished business with the devil. I think Jesus was sent there to conquer something once and for all with him. To start, to, to uh, end what Moses started <laughs> Moses was tempted with all the same things, setting up the, the temple, right? Way, years and years and years ago in the existence of Israel. And here Jesus is to end it, finish it. That you can text, tempt me with the physical. You can tempt me with pride, with power. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I can bring an end to it. I think God had unfinished business with the devil. And maybe you're facing this, whatever it is right now, so that you never have to face it again. Maybe you're facing it right now so that your children never have to face it like you do. Maybe 
you're facing it right now. So your children's children and their children after that don't have to face it. Maybe you're here right now being tempted in this season for this, in this particular place to end something. Finish it. Right? To end a generational curse. Maybe you have to deal with the devil, not just for you, but for so many others. In Jesus' case, I think he was putting right what Moses got wrong. What Saul got wrong. What David got wrong. So many other leaders of Israel throughout the centuries. I think Jesus was conquering it once and for all. Maybe you're not just in this particular temptation, whatever it is that you're facing right now, because it's a test. Anybody else get annoyed by that? Like, God, why would you just test him? I don't want to test for no reason. Right, because we can't see the reason, so we assume there isn't one. I'm just testing him, God? That doesn't seem fair. Maybe it wasn't about that. Jesus was there as a chain breaker, a door closer, a business finisher. He was there to end something, to deal with Satan once and for all. You're not disqualified from temptation, but you can end it. You can finish it. For others, and conquer something. In fact, maybe we should be expecting it. You're not disqualified from it. Maybe you should be expecting it. Maybe you've got to pass the test that Moses failed. Right? The, the real test of leadership is actually how you handle power, not lack. It doesn't take a whole lot to handle being broke, right? whole lot of character because you just are. (laughs) There's no way around it. It takes character to handle money. Well, right? It it takes character to handle power. Maybe instead of being surprised by temptation, we should be not letting our guard down. We should be aiming ourselves, arming ourselves with the armor of God. We should be more invested in scripture doing more worship and and prayer, more scripture meditation and memorization, more fasting. Maybe we should be expecting to be tempted and tested around every corner and not be surprised by it. Knowing that the Spirit does lead us into it sometimes. Conquer a thing or two. But knowing it, he never leads you into temptation if you don't have the right tools to overcome it. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 says, If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. If you think you are standing strong, not if you think you are weak, be careful. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. This is where the saying, God won't give you more than you can handle, comes from. So it's not quite accurate, is it? We use it in a way, you know, God, God won't give you more than you can handle. He won't give you more than you can handle alone. Jesus had the Holy Spirit. Right? He, God... Sometimes gives us more than we can handle by ourselves so that we reach into our tool bag. So that we use what he has already equipped us with. It says he won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. So if you're facing a temptation, you can handle it. You can handle it. It doesn't always feel that way, does it? But you can If you're facing it, you can handle it. God will get you through it, and he will give you the tools that you need. He's already given you the tools that you need. Jesus didn't face temptation and then go get baptized. He was baptized and then faced temptation. He had the tools that he needed. We often say ministry issues come in waves. (laughs) They come in waves. It's like we're good for a while, and then a wave hits. We're pummeled. But maybe the good seasons were to prepare us for what was coming. God always provides a way. One of the commentaries I read this week says, the enriched soul must double its guard. Enriched soul. But isn't that when we let our guard down? We're enriched. We're happy. Things are good. 
So we put our guard down. We drop the armor. Maybe that's exactly when we should be picking it up. Doubling our guard, preparing for it, expecting temptation because God has already prepared you for it. You know, we like to say that God doesn't qualify the called. No, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, right? And it's true. He'll continue to qualify you. He'll continue to train you and prepare you for new things your entire life. So stop disqualifying yourself. That is the point of that saying. However, you probably already have the tools you need to get through this. You already have them. You just haven't used them yet. God has placed tools in your toolbox. Now it's the time to pick them up and practice. We're not all immediately experts at our trades. We have to practice them a bit. We have the tools. We just have to become proficient in using them. (laughs) Don't skip ahead. His mercies are new every morning. He's given you the grace you need for today. I can't tell you how many times I've given that advice this year. Just focus on today. Don't pick up tomorrow's troubles or next week or next month or next year. Just today. Focus on today. His mercy is new every day for today. Even Jesus prayed, God, give us our daily bread. Not tomorrow's bread, next week's bread, next year's bread. Just give me enough bread for today. And every day that is our prayer. God has prepared you for today. Maybe not for tomorrow, but he's there too. God is there tomorrow too. Focus on today. Trust him with the rest. You have what you need for today. Be on guard because hunger is dangerous. We we all know what happens when we say, I'm going to skip dinner tonight, right? Because I heard that it's healthy to not eat past 6 p.m. Then 8 p.m. rolls around. 10 p.m. Midnight. Next thing you know, you're up at 2 a.m. eating everything there is to consume in the kitchen cupboards and the fridge. All of the bad things because you're not making a meal at 2 a.m., right? All the processed, (laughs) terrible for you things. When we're hungry, we have a tendency to turn things that aren't into what we want them to be. Right? Well, when we're hungry, we'll look at friendships and think it's something more. When we're hungry, we look at all kinds of things in our life and think, that's what I really need. Don't let yourself get hungry. Fill up with what you do need. Fill up with the word when it's it, when you're in good seasons, when you're not hungry. Put yourself on guard ahead of time. And fasting takes the hunger's power away. That's why Jesus gave it to us as a spiritual discipline. Fast. A meal. A day. Two days. Practice it. What you're doing is not just skipping meals. It's not pointless. People have so many questions about fasting. In fact, that you know, how, how do I do it? What do I do when I'm doing it? Do I have to pray for like X amount of time when I should be eating? Like, how does this work? It's, there's not really a, a great formula for it in the Bible. It doesn't lay it out quite that easily. There's some tips and some tricks. In fact, I should link fasting for beginners in my sermon notes today. I will. If you have questions. But Really, it's just the experience, and you don't often know the lessons that it's going to teach you in the fast. You get them afterward. It's about separating your will from the will of this flesh. Practicing. Because there will come a craving that you feel like you can't overcome. God's already given you the power to overcome it. He has prepared you by calling you. Notice, every time Satan tempts Jesus, he says, if you are the Son of God, if you really are. Jesus never says, but I am, bro, back off. Right? He doesn't say, I am the Son of God. Like, he, he never has to prove it. He fights him with, with Scripture. He, it's not like he doesn't argue. I mean, he gives him a reason, but he never says, I am. 
He doesn't have to prove what he already is. The circumstances don't have to prove who I am. My situation may not reflect who I am. And my house may not reflect who I want to be. My car may not reflect. My, my situation may not reflect who I am. But I refuse to succumb to embarrassment and the need to impress other people because I know who I am. Jesus didn't have to jump off a building to prove it. He didn't have to turn rocks into something they weren't. He didn't have to have all the power to prove who he was. Jesus had nothing to prove to Satan. Neither do you. You know who you are. You are a child of God. This is why we print the 40 IMs that keep them at the serve desk. You have to know who you are. In Christ, you are a new creation. You are a child of God. You are an, an heir or an heiress to heaven. You don't have to prove yourself. Not to people, not to Satan, not to anyone. God has made you something so much more. He's given you the keys to heaven. You have an open heaven. You have nothing to prove to anyone because you are a child of God. And this is important to get. This is probably the biggest piece of open heaven. Because when you don't understand who you are in Christ, all kinds of things get out of whack and things. Let me just put it this way. There's one time in, in the Gospels. The disciples try to cast out a spirit away from Jesus' presence. Do you remember the story? They can't do it. They go to Jesus and they say, why can't we do it? Why can't we? Right, the the Demon, what did he actually say to to the disciples? I know Jesus, but who are you? (laughs) He couldn't, the demon actually knows Jesus Christ and the authority of him, but he didn't see Jesus Christ in the disciples. He didn't recognize his authority. I once uh, asked for advice of Johannes Amritzer, an evangelist that's come here many times. I said, um, I was looking for advice about casting out spirits because I had just had an encounter just had an experience with it. And I said, I just need to pick your brain a little. And he said, the biggest thing to know when casting out spirits is they recognize your revelation of Christ. And I said, explain. Right? Uh, He said, they know what you believe about who you are in Jesus. They can see it. They see the Jesus in you and your understanding of who you are in him. They see it. You have to know who you are. It gives you the authority. You're not acting on your own authority. You act on his authority. You are given his authority. This is open heaven. We get to walk around this world with the authority of Jesus Christ, not because of anything I've done, not because I earned it, not because I'm sinless and temptation-free. I did nothing to earn it because of what he has given me. He earned it, and he gave it to us. We carry that authority. We can carry that authority. You are a child of God. Know your authority. Living in an an open heaven world does not mean that you won't face temptation. In fact, we should expect it. What if we begin to look at temptation as an opportunity to lay down our own wants and needs and desires like Jesus did? Jesus conquered Satan here with humility, not pride. With scripture, with wisdom, with self-control, with peace. He used some of those Holy Spirit-given gifts that we talked about last week and fruits that they help conquer this sort of thing. How do you hope to do it without those things? We need Jesus in our hearts and the Holy Spirit empowering us to go out into this world and to conquer some stuff. If we can't do it in our own lives... How can we hope to help others too? Isn't that the job? Not to just get free ourselves, but to help others be free too. I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to be studying this passage all week, all over again. 
In the end, Satan here was a loser. Jesus prevailed. The angels came and took care of him in the end. Because when you're obedient, you'll be taken care of. You don't need to go out and get it yourself. He provides it willingly. You don't need to get powerful, quick scheme. Just be obedient and you will be taken care of. He dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor. How much more will he clothe you? He watches over every sparrow. How much more does he love you? He will provide no matter what you've done, what, what temptation you've given into. Now, one thing I love about this church, I have always loved, even as a pastor's kid in this house, which let me tell you is rare. The thing that I've loved is that we're real. This isn't a house of rigid religion that you have to pretend in. We're real here. Down to earth, normal. We're just imperfect people who love a perfect God. Knowing that even Jesus faced temptation. And it's okay to admit that I do, I do too. But real requires something. Real is actually more costly than we expect. It's expensive. The price you pay to get real from others is the inability to be offended. It's more costly than it sounds. You have to give up your right. You feel like it's a right to be angry. You give up your right, what you think is a right, to be judgmental. Give up your right to pride. In the house of God, we all come in sinners. Every single one of us. Jesus was tempted. He was the only one that didn't sin. Each and every one of us need to give up the ability to be offended. You don't, get, you don't have a right to be offended when you're in a house that is real. And the way to get there is to remember this passage. Even Jesus was tempted. He didn't overcome by puffing out his chest and, and telling Satan exactly who he was. He overcame with humility. Humbled himself. He knew the scriptures. He didn't have to prove who he was. The open heaven concept is knowing who you are, but not having to prove it. Understanding who God is. The creator of heaven and earth. And he, he doesn't make you jump through hoops and earn. Earn your salvation. Earn your gifts and talents. Earn your place in his kingdom. He gives it freely. He wants to. All we have to do is humble ourselves and accept it. Father, we ask you today that you would give us the ability to accept it. To accept your forgiveness. Accept your love. Accept your gifts from the Holy Spirit. God, help us not to hold on to fear. Help us not to hold on to anger. Not to hold on to pride or power. Help us lay it all down at your feet. I just want to give this message a minute. Sink into your souls. Close your eyes. Bow your head. Get in a, a private place with God today. Say, God, where do I need to repent? need to repent? What have I allowed in my life? What tools am I not picking up? 
What temptation have I allowed to overcome? Where do I need to repent? The next part of that is to not let that thought, whatever came into your head when you asked God that, don't let that thought beat you up. Don't let that thought provide guilt and shame. The Holy Spirit is bringing it to your attention right now. It's not to bring you shame. It's to set you free. God gave us other spiritual disciplines too, like confession. Confession is surrounding yourself with people you can trust. It's opening up yourself to be a little vulnerable to tell someone else what you're struggling with because you're only as sick as your secrets what you can't confess you're not willing to stop doing it it's still a secret you're still holding on to it still saying God I want to get free but I yet. Don't procrastinate this. Confess it. Confess it. Not to everyone. Not to just anyone. Someone you can trust. Someone that will pray for you. Not judge you or be angry. We're going to have pastors and elders around the altar here today after service you have something to confess or maybe you just want prayer it doesn't have to be a confession but maybe you have been kicking yourself all week because you should have gone up to get prayer for the Holy Spirit last week we're here for you pray over you to love you we won't judge you we've probably been there too Jesus was tempted to be tempted he wants to forgive you all you have to do is let that thing go confess it to him give it to him the forgiveness of Jesus is free it's a gift you don't have to earn it and you, you say I, you don't know what I've done it's easy to say pastor preacher but you don't know what I've done I don't have to. Because I've done things too. And every time I confess them to God, He says, But I love you. I love you. My love covers it. I already paid the price for it. I just want to love you. Conviction, it might be what you're feeling right now. Conviction pulls you back to God. Guilt and shame make you want to run far away. Conviction brings you back. Conviction says, yeah, you were wrong, but I love you. My love covers it. It makes you want to repent. Because the love of God is so good. Today, if you're saying, I've never, never given it to Jesus never asked him into my life I want to today I want to say I'm sorry I want to start with a clean slate I want to live his way not mine if that's you today would you just raise your hand right where you are or if you're watching online comment I'm in in the comments or text the number on the screen just raise your hand right where you are I want to give my life to Jesus I want to be forgiven, set free, made whole, get a clean start, raise it up high. Ushers will just have a little card to come and give you. Explains that decision, gives you a prayer to pray. Anybody else here today want to give my life to Jesus?
rest of us. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation here. Sometimes we just have to repent. It is part of the human experience. Jesus was tempted too. This world is full of temptation. His body craves everything it shouldn't have. We're not perfect. But God is and he loves you anyway. God is real. God is good. And he loves us so much. Let today be a turnaround, a wake-up call, a day of repentance. Give that thing to God and be set free. That is my prayer for you today. That is open heaven. We can smile even when everything seems sad. We can walk on the waves and not be drowned by them. We can have joy in the middle of the storm, not in the absence of it. God is good. He loves you so much. No condemnation in the house today, just joy. Father, we claim it in Jesus' name. This is a house of peace, of freedom, of love. Thank you for arming your people with realness down to earth with, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, with love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Thank you for helping us react to each other in those ways. Love each other like you love us. Bring heaven here through us. Help us communicate the kingdom of heaven is near, it's close. God is close to the brokenhearted, but he smiles on us. Not that we would go out into all the world and condemn it, wag our finger at it. Tell God how angry, tell people how angry God is. Just that we would love it like you love us. Thank you for your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.